0: Hello everyone. Welcome to B-Sides where you can get further reflections on God's word to help you grow. And this one is following the message from Isaiah chapter 49, Serving a Severed World. We looked at how individualism, this idea that self is the center, is the only reality that matters, and therefore Seeking our own personal happiness and fulfillment will then drive us to live only for the now, for the immediate, for the instant. It will also then push others away because they become threats to our personal happiness. If there's only so much happiness to go around, or if you and I want the same thing, we are no longer compatible. If I'm to run my own kingdom and you're to run your own kingdom, There's not enough room for the two of us. It's like an old Western movie, right? This town ain't big enough for the two of us. And so what we looked at is that individualism leads to isolation. It severs us from one another. And so in the message, we looked at C.S. Lewis and the great divorce and how that's the picture in hell in that great story. Um... But what God is doing in Isaiah chapter 49 is he is gathering not only his people, but the nations. And so we learned that servanthood is the cure to our idolatrous plague of meitis, of individualism. Servanthood will break us out of the bondage of me, myself, and I, out of the bondage of only now and my own personal happiness matters. Servanthood breaks those walls down and pushes us. It drives us out into the lives, the world, the kingdoms of other people, and it helps bring them into the world of servanthood as well. That is why Isaiah 49 has the vision of the nations. As God said, he's going to make his servant a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. See, taking on the role of the servant shifts our worldview, our core reality from me, individualism, my happiness, to the nations, my neighbor, to God's will and plan and work at large and friends. While it might be hard for us to let go of our own personal happiness, it isn't until we move out into the larger plan and story of God that we will actually feel ourselves being enlarged and growing and finding bigger thrills and bigger fulfillment. We shrink ourselves. And the more you want to maintain your own personal happiness project, the closer and tighter you will have to draw in your walls and your borders. You will shrink and shrink and shrink until you are a shriveled, selfish soul. I hope I got some of this across in the message. There's a couple passages I want to share that were planned for the message, but just for whatever reason, I was either off, we ran out of time. I They just didn't make it in. And so this is precisely what B-Sides is for, where you can further your reflections on God's Word to help you grow. Well, here we're going further into Sunday's message on serving a severed world So the first one I want to take you to is Mark chapter 10 Mark chapter 10 verse 32 through 45. It's a well-known passage, but it perfectly illustrates this truth that the way to break your personal happiness project, the way to cure meitis, the way to get rid of individualism is to serve. So, in this passage, we see the disciples fully interested in themselves, but Jesus then teaches them how to march away from this trap of self. Okay, so Mark chapter 10, verse 32, this is right before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, so it's right before his final week of his life, right before he dies, and he's about to warn his disciples of this which, by the way, is a very servant thing to do, die for the sins of the world. And this is the model Jesus has been showing his disciples. This is not the first time he's going to mention it. In fact, it's the third. And each time he's going to keep showing the disciples, I am going to be the example. I'm going to be a servant. When we get to Jerusalem, don't be shocked to see that I am going to surrender myself in a world that wants to preserve itself. So, we're going to see it right off the get-go here. Mark ten thirty-two, And they, Jesus, the disciples, a horde of pilgrims who would be traveling together for safety reasons and for entertainment reasons, as they would sing and share stories together on the road. They're on their way to the feast of Passover in Jerusalem. So, they were on the road. By the way, and... We may study this after Isaiah. We might go to the Gospel of Mark, so you'll hear more about this. But that road, that word road there is the Greek hadas. You know the word from ek hadas, exodus. Exodus is a Greek title for that Hebrew book, which means the way out. Hadas refers to the way, the road, the path. Mark opens his gospel with Isaiah 40, prepare a way in the wilderness. He opens with that. And then we see Jesus and these references to him and the disciples being on the hadas, on the way, the road, the path. This is not accidental, friends. In the gospel of Mark, he sees Jesus as leading us on this Isaiah path through the wilderness. Now we're going to get an example of what that looks like. So, they were on the haras, on the way, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was talking, Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See? We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. After three days, he will rise. One wonders what the faces of the disciples were like as they hear Jesus say these things, I'm going to suffer and be killed. One wonders what's going through their minds. One wonders if they're distracted with their phones or other urgent matters because they just never seem to get it. It's the third time he tells them this. This will be the third time they completely miss his message of servanthood. So check out what James and John do next. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, that was nice and all, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. If that's not the spirit of individualism, I don't know what is. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us to sit. One at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. They want titles of power, of position for themselves. They're looking out after themselves. Jesus said to them, You know not what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And They said to him, Oh, we are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now, kind of cryptic what Jesus is saying, but basically, yeah, you will suffer one day. One day you will get the hang of servanthood, but not yet. You definitely don't get it yet. And, and there, the disciples, James and John, their view is glory. It's, it's the, this is what the self wants. But you know who ends up sitting at Jesus' right and left hand in his glory? You see it at the end of the Gospel of Mark. It's the two thieves on the cross, on his right and left hand. They follow Jesus in servanthood. At least, metaphorically, figuratively, that's the picture. James and John aren't quite yet willing to do that. But one day they are willing to lay down their lives and to serve God, their leaders in the church. How do they get there? Jesus will teach them that in just a minute. But first we need to see that James and John weren't the only ones interested in themselves. The other 10 disciples are upset because they were beat to the request Look at this. So in verse um, in verse 41, when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. they were indignant at them, angry, upset with them. And you can see how this individualism was on the threshold of severing them from one another fights and divisions and factions and arguments because you want what I want and the two of us can't have it at the same time. But Jesus intervenes. And Jesus called them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That's what James and John want. But Jesus continues, it shall not be so among you and allow me to insert because you guys are on Isaiah's path through the wilderness, which means we are to be servants. So he continues, whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, if even Jesus wasn't seeking his own self-interest, how much more should we lay that aside? He showed us what it looks like to be a servant, and he's calling us with those twelve around him to say, do not seek the desires of the self in the same way that the Gentiles or the world does. Rather, as Isaiah 49, 6 said, we are to be a light to the Gentiles that they may see the salvation of God. And here is a perfect example of individualism is crucified by servanthood. That's what Jesus is teaching them. And thankfully, the disciples do get it, and they become servants, which is why the church is still going and growing two thousand years later. The second passage is Second Corinthians chapter five. 17 2 Corinthians 5:17. So if in Mark we saw that servanthood cures individualism in 2 Corinthians 5:17 we're going to see what a servant does. so we know that being a servant is good uh, it cures us from our addiction to self but what exactly does the servant do? Now we're going to see a rather extreme example in the Apostle Paul's case. So, 2 Corinthians 5, um, in verse 17, it begins with a really well-known verse, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're no longer oriented around the self. You're oriented around Christ in his kingdom. The old has passed away, self. Behold, the new has come, Christ. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us, To himself and gave us the ministry. Ministry is a fancy word for service, servanthood. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a really fancy theological biblical word for bringing back together. Remember, individualism severs, but God gathers, or Paul's word, reconciles. He's using his servants, whom Jesus was chief and first, to reconcile the world to himself. And now, Paul's saying, he's giving us the same ministry, the same servanthood of reconciliation. So, Paul continues. This is verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake He made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Beautiful. But Paul there is talking to the Corinthians when he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Because what has happened in the Corinthian church is that they began to be attracted to different teachers than Paul. Paul birthed the church. Paul was an apostle sent by Christ. But then you get these other teachers who basically come in and steal his congregation from him. And they seem to not be quite sound in their teaching. So, the Corinthian church is off kilter. They've lost the way of Isaiah, and Paul wants to bring them back. And they also seem to not really like Paul anymore. So, Paul is not necessarily taking this personally. He's taking this in a gospel way, to Paul, for them to reject him is to reject the gospel, because that's what he brought to them. So, he's concerned that they have accepted a different gospel, and he's crying out to them, please, accept me. Accept me, and it's like being reconciled to God, because by rejecting me, I'm afraid you're rejecting God. So, he's imploring them, be reconciled to God. I've been a servant to you like Christ has been a servant to us. Please accept me again. And so, Paul's going to show them how he has served them, and he's going to, um, by implication, severely question that their current leaders have ever served them. So, he's going to continue now into chapter 6. He says, Working together with him, then, with God, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Okay, it's not a futile empty thing. The grace of God will fill us. It will empower us. It will move us somewhere. But this congregation seems to have received it and like, yeah, we're done with you, Paul. Paul's pleading. No, this was not an empty gift. Then in verse 2e, he actually quotes Isaiah 49 verse 8. This might sound familiar. So this is our chapter in Isaiah and Paul is quoting from it. He says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Again, that's Isaiah 49 verse eight. So in the very passage of Isaiah about being God's servant and gathering rather than severing, Paul seems to have this passage in mind when he talks about having the ministry, the service of reconciliation. So it doesn't seem accidental, does it, that Paul quotes this verse from Isaiah 49? It's already been in his mind. And then that verse comes to his head and says, you know what? Hey, yeah, as I'm imploring you to be reconciled to God, don't delay this. Today is the day. God wants to serve you now and pull you into his service for the rest of the world. So, Paul now comments and says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Lay yourself down now. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Look, he's saying, I went out of my way to make sure nobody saw that. Self was involved in this ministry. We lay all the obstacles down. We went out of our way to make this easy for you. And then in verse four, he really makes it clear and says, as servants of God, servants, see, Isaiah is in Paul's mind here. He's basically pleading. This is, this is almost like a little sermonette on the passage, isn't it? But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And here he's going to give them illustrations of how they've been servants. It's going to sound a lot like Christ. By great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Yes, Paul says, choosing to be the servant has been difficult, but that last part shall never be missed, yet possessing everything. Everything. Paul has been part of bringing God's salvation, Isaiah 49, 6, to the ends of the earth. He has been released from the small prison of himself. He has possessed everything. Yeah, being called to God's service may sometimes sound like Drudgery. That's because you're still living with this desire for your own personal happiness project. Individualism. But we will find true freedom when we surrender and enter into God's service. That's where it really is. We buck against it because it's in our nature to buck against it. We've always wanted to enthrone ourselves. God is in the business of dethroning us so that we can be where we've always belonged. You want your own personal happiness project? Serve God. You will be happy. But it won't be in the limiting way of only being happy in yourself. It'll be in a much more liberating, end to end end ends end-of-the-world kind of way. So friends, with grace and gratitude, this is Pastor Brandon. Thanks for listening.